Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Whenever we are a part of a work going on outside of these walls, uh, that is included in our works. Amen. Now, we're not saved by works. We understand that. Rather, we are, in a sense, we are building up our works so that one day when we are judged, God will judge our works, whether they be gold, silver, precious stone, which means works that last, which means they're good works, or if they be wood, hay, and stubble that burn up before God, that God might look at our works and say, well, this is worthless, and this is valuable. When we are giving financially to ministries out there that are helping children, uh, that are reaching the lost, well, that's a good work. Amen? And when we're going out ourselves and we're being a witness and we're trying to tell others about the Lord, that's a good work. Um, when, uh, when we support a missionary and we're helping those missionaries, their work is a part of our work and we are a part of their work. When, when, when the door opens and, and someone from our church, whether it's me or, or brother, uh, brother Tim or Brother Dennis, some of the preachers in our church go out and preach in other churches and fruit is born, that is a part of your work as well. That We are one body in Christ and we are all a part of these works. So I just want you to know uh, that I appreciate your willingness to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Revelation chapter 3, we'll read that first. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 17. I'll read a couple verses here. Revelations chapter 3, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, uh, the Lord Jesus is speaking, <clears throat> and um, he speaks to the seven churches uh, and this is the last one. Now, there's some discussion about whether those churches apply only to literal churches, because they do. Those are real places. Church of Philadelphia, Church of Sardis, Church of Laodicea in, in, in chapter number 3. Um, but there's some questions as to whether those only apply to real churches, their physical places in that time, or if they are prophetic. Because you can trace the history of the church of God, the New Testament church, through history, starting in chapter 1 through chapter 3. Uh, personally, I believe it's both. So, I, I, uh, and we look here at the church of Laodicea, and I believe it is impossible to at least not see the parallels between the way that this church is as the final church. Uh, in this passage here, we, we know, I won't read those verses for the sake of time, but we know verse 15 and 16 talks about how he, he said, I would you weren't, you were neither cold nor hot. He said, I would that you were cold or hot, but you're not, you're lukewarm. He said, I'd rather that you were cold or hot, but because you're not, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And then he says this in verse number 17. And this is kind of a definition of that lukewarmness, if you want to use it that way. We're not going to look at that thought of being lukewarm today, but it's, in, it's tied together because both are a state of this church. He said this, he said, Because thou sayest I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, 
I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Thank God for verse 20. That no matter who you are or how you are, no matter what your attitude may be, if it's sour, like the attitude of this church that said, I, we don't need anything. We're good as we are. Jesus never gives up. Amen. And he is knocking and saying, if you'll just open the door, I want to come in and, and commune with you. I want to be with you. I want to sup with you. But as I was reading these verses some time ago, a, a part of this, and I, I've preached from these verses a number of times, and we've read them a number of times. But in verse number 18, Jesus said this, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. And uh, in Isaiah chapter number 55, in my regular just sort of devotional daily Bible reading, I was coming through Isaiah some time back, and in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 1, uh, I saw a, this same idea was brought again of us buying from the Lord. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me. Eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader, and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us. Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, for another year. God, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us this church, and we thank you for each one that's here this morning. Pray for those who are not here, Lord, that you'd help them those that are traveling, Lord, those who may not be feeling well or those, Lord, who may just be away, we pray that you'd bless them where they are and bring them back to us soon. God, we pray this morning, if you would help me, God, in my mind, in my body, uh, to deliver this message, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. God, that you would show us the great importance, God, as we do go in to another year on this earth, that we're doing it right, Lord. I pray that today we would do as you exhorted us in Revelation chapter 3, to be zealous, therefore, and repent, God. If there be anything in us, Lord, that is, that is incorrect this morning, something, God, that might be getting in the way of our walk with you and our, our joy of the Lord and our, our peace with the Holy Spirit, God, I pray, help us, Lord, to hear it and help us, Lord, to answer. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Isaiah chapter 55 here. I, I want to go sort of through a couple of verses here. I'd plan to go through it all. I'm only going to go through the first two verses this morning, mainly for the sake of time. And, and I just kind of feel like that's where the Lord wanted me to stop this morning. Uh, but I want to just go down through and point out some things to you. This passage in Isaiah chapter number 55 is 
a messianic passage. It is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. You'll see there in verse 4 how he said he's, he's giving a, a leader, a commander, a witness. That's talking about the Lord. Uh, the Holy One of Israel is synonymous with Christ, with anointed one. Uh, that's him. He, in this case, we're talking about the Messiah. This, of course, is just two chapters after that great messianic passage of Isaiah chapter 53 where Isaiah revealed prophetically that the Lord Jesus would not be the great king and conqueror in the moment of his arrival, but that first he would be a savior who would give himself as a sacrifice. Amen. And then in chapter number 54, we have uh, a chapter concerning the, a new covenant of peace, and it's, it's sort of prophesying how that things are going to be different in the New Testament, that there's going to be a time that the Jews have never known about, and these things were hidden from their eyes in many ways. But in verse number 1 of Isaiah chapter 55, we have here uh, a, a sort of aside. It's a very important picture that is being painted for us, and it is the picture of one coming to the Lord for salvation. And we're also given the picture, reading down through verses 4 and 5, that this is not just for the Jews. He talks about a nation that, that knew thee not. He said, a nation that thou knowest not. He's talking about bringing in new people. Amen. Well, that's me and you. I'm talking about this, this sort of new way of things that, that, that they had not yet seen. It was something that had not yet come for them. But for us, we are looking back. We're looking back at this. And we're looking back at this from the perspective of Jesus uh, beyond this, where they were looking forward to Christ, we're looking back toward Christ. And Christ, we know now, we are living in the days that these verses were prophesying. And in this case, we're given a few things I want to point out to you. First, I want to show you in verse number 1, the cry of the Lord. The very first word in that chapter is H-O-H-O, which means it's, it's, it is from the uh, Jewish word hoi, which means Look here and listen. It's a declaration. Listen. Look. Hey. We would say hey more in our modern vernacular. Hey. My brother, when he preaches all the time, he'll say, hey. I make fun of him for it. I'll give you a little, a little story before, just to kick things off. My brother was at a, a friend's church this weekend for his youth meeting, and he asked him to give up and give a little uh, devotional about five minutes before it started. And Caleb got up, and he kind of got preaching his devotional, and he took his, you know, albatross wings, and he clapped, because he does that all the time. When he did, it shot air into the microphone and destroyed their whole sound system. Their speakers did not work the rest of the day. It literally shut it down, freaked something out. It had some sort of a, a peak protector that if it hit a certain peak, it would shut things off, and they couldn't get anything to come back on. So I never heard if they fixed it, but don't clap into the mic. Amen. That's the moral of the story. That had nothing to do with anything, but here we are. Hey, I said, that's what Isaiah, which Isaiah's pinning here, the words of the Lord. He's saying, hey, listen, look. And he is crying out. It's a, it's a strong, strong word to look and listen to what I'm telling you. This is important. It's an emphasizing word, right? What's important? He said this, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. The Lord is crying out to call attention to a subject of importance. And what He is doing, we can, what I believe we can see here, 
And I'm going to show you two cries of the Lord here in this verse. What we can see here really is we can see the kind of folk that the Lord Jesus was going to come looking for. The kinds of people whom He was calling out to, who He wanted to reach, and who He wanted to save. Now, we know He wanted to reach and to save everyone. But Jesus said, those who are not sick have no need of a physician. Now, here's the truth. Everybody's sick. Amen. Until they meet the physician. But there were some like that church described in Revelation 3 that said, we're not sick. We have need of nothing. And he said, until they realize that they need me, they can't have me. Amen. You can't be found until you are lost. Only the lost need saving. Those who are not lost do not need saving. And the ones who are not lost are the ones who say, I am not lost, I do not need a Savior, and therefore they cannot receive a Savior. And so these are the types of folk that the Lord is looking for, that He's calling out to. They're the ones that He said, I have come to seek and to save. And the first kind of people that He mentions there are these, the thirsty. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. It is a cry for the thirsty. Here's a quote from Albert Barnes, an old commentator. He said this, No needs are so keen, none so imperiously demand supply as those of hunger and thirst. They occur daily. And when long continued, as in the case of those who are shipwrecked and doomed to wander months or years over burning sands with scarcely any drink or food, nothing is more distressing. In other words, the first cry of the Lord is intended to gain the attention of those with a great need. There is a yearning desire within their chest for those pure things that are absolutely necessary to life, which is food and water. In this case, water. Now, we know you can go longer without food than you can without water. Which is funny because our body is like made up of so much water. But that is because that, that is all connected to the fact that we need it and we'll lose it quickly. Right now, I'm doing some pretty good sweating up here in this jacket, and I'm gonna need extra water, right? That water, it is necessary. And when you get out into a dry place where there is no water, uh, you need it more. Isn't that something? The places where it's hardest to find is where you need it the most. And that's the way it is. By the way, at this time across the earth, there really was no water. No true spiritual water like this is talking about. That water, that living water, had not truly been given out to man as it would one day be given. Uh, In the book of Psalm chapter 42, the psalmist so purely exemplifies this where he said this, Psalm 42, 1, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Without God, man lacks that most essential need for life. Thus, we understand why man is dead. Just as you cannot live without physical water, man cannot live spiritually without spiritual water. We are born dead in sin, in trespasses and sins. And until we come to the place that we get a drink of that living water, we continue in that death. That that water literally gives us life and then it sustains us forever. And these are the ones that the Lord is crying out to first. Those 
who are thirsty. He said, everyone that thirsteth come to the waters. I told you this, this so succinctly describes that first group of people that the Lord came searching for. Those dying of spiritual thirst. They were lost and hungry. They were sick and weak. The book of John, the Lord looked at His disciples and He said, I must needs go through Samaria in chapter 4. Because there was someone there who needed a drink of water. And she was thirsty. And she had gone to a well, a literal well, to get an actual drink of water. And while she was there, uh, the Lord began to speak with her. And in verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Speaking of that literal physical well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The first cry of the Lord, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, is a cry to the thirsty. It is to those who are living still in death, that are living still unsatisfied. Secondly, we see a cry for the threadbare. He that hath no money, come ye, Buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The Lord then appeals to those who have nothing and who need much. Amen. The first, we're talking, he talks about that water, and that is regarding to the thirst specifically. But then he says, come, that hath no money, he that hath no money, come, buy and eat. It's talking about water, especially at that now nowadays, we buy water. We bought this water, amen? We go buy it in bottles because it's supposedly better or tastes better or whatever, and uh, that's what we do. But back then, they didn't buy water. They dug a well and hoped to hit some. And they would travel to where they knew the well was, and it was a public well, which is exactly where the Lord stood there with that lady, that Samaritan woman, and He began to tell her about that living water of salvation that would spring up in her and she would never thirst again. But food, now that costs money. Whether you were buying something from a vendor, like a bread or something like that, or uh, buying uh, meat, which was a rare commodity at that time, from, some, from someone who had uh, livestock that they would sell, or whether you were buying livestock, or whether you were buying whatever it took to, to go, you're buying land, you're, you're spending, it's costing you something to either raise up food, to grow it yourself, or to go and get it from someone who had it, depending on where you lived. Or to go out into fish, you had to buy a boat, you had to buy the things. It, it cost you something to get that food. And Jesus said, you want to you eat? He said, but you've got no money. What you're looking for, now, I, when I'm thirsty, I need to drink water. When I'm hungry, and sometimes when I'm thirsty, I can drink just a little bit, I'm good. Man, when I get real good and hungry and I get sit down at the table, it's not like taking a drink of water. What I want to do is, 
I want to eat until I am satisfied. We call it full. But, uh, you know, a lot of times we go beyond that. Right? My brother said, if I don't eat till I'm sick, how am I supposed to know that I'm done? That's what he told me one time. I was like, well, I think that's a bad mentality. But that's what we do, right? If it's good, we go to the steakhouse and, you know, they come around, do you want any appetizers? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to order a 16-ounce steak and a one-pound baked potato, but yes, I need an appetizer, right? Because I like appetizers. Amen. My wife, she just rolls her eyes. She's like, you're not going to finish your food. I said, well, now I am. Well, why are we getting an appetizer? Because I like the, you know, stuffed mushrooms and the cheese fries. You know, I like that stuff, and I want to eat that too. Because when I eat, I want to be, when I leave, I want to be satisfied. I don't want to leave going, man, I could eat some more. I really was, you know. I didn't really get full. I want to leave, you know, uh, in a wheelchair. Really, that's what I... No, I'm teasing. But I want to leave full, satisfied. In that day and age, if you weren't wealthy, and I mean really wealthy, they weren't eating like we are in America. They weren't going to McDonald's and getting the large, you know, and leaving fries in the cup. Amen. They weren't doing that. What they were doing is they were eating enough to get by. The Lord said, you just don't have any money. You don't have what it takes to get what you need. And what you need is you need to come and buy from me. Well, how are they going to do that? They don't have any money. Look at it. It doesn't make sense. He that hath no money, come ye, buy, and eat. How do you buy without money? It's the same thing he said in the book of Revelation. When he said, I counsel you to buy of me gold, tried, white raiment. How are you going to buy those things without money? Because the truth is, you don't have it. And by the way, if you don't know, we're talking about spiritual things. I'm not talking about how much money you've got in the bank. Because when it comes to God, he doesn't care. Now, it's good for us to be a good steward, and it is good for us to provide for our family, and, and it is necessary, amen, and those things are good. But in the eyes of God, those things are temporal. And that, that right there is what, the, it's what the Bible talks about, that moth doth eat and corrupt. It's these things on this earth. These are talking about everlasting things. The Lord appeals to those who have nothing and who have need of much. Isaiah 52, verse number 3 said this, For thus saith the Lord, You have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. Hmm. Here's what the Lord said. You've sold yourselves. Now he's talking, in that place he's talking to Israel. You've sold yourselves for naught. They had sold themselves for something they thought was worth it, but really they got nothing. Amen? You ever been ripped off? (laughs) I remember as a young man, I was in middle school. When I was in middle school, some of y'all are going to think I'm a real baby when I say this. But when I was in middle school, you know what the craze was? Pokemon cards. That's exactly right. In sixth grade, in fact, they banned them from our middle school because it became such an obsession. And I remember I was in sixth grade, and I, I played Nintendo, and I had Pokemon cards. I mean, I collected them, and you'd sell them and trade them and everything, all that stuff. You know, it was a kid thing. We did all that. I got into high school, and when I got to high school, you know, I was more interested in, like, you know, getting a girlfriend than I was playing Pokemon. And so I thought, I don't care about these Pokemon cards. And I had a good friend of mine, a buddy, and he was still big into them. And his dad came to me and said, how much would you take for them Pokemon cards? 
said, you know, I don't know, 30 bucks. <laughs> Some of those cards are worth thousands of dollars now, by the way. And I said, yeah, sure. He's like, that sounds good, 30 bucks. So I gave him my Pokemon cards. He never paid me the $30. And to this day, I will never forget. And when I see him, I can't help but the root of bitterness springs up in my heart. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, the truth is, now as an adult, you know, my kids and different things, I wish I still had those things. You know, I wish I held on to those things and given them to my kids and, and sold the ones that were worth money. Amen. But instead, I, I sold myself for naught. I sold my Pokemon cards for $30 that I never received. And when, when you do that, you feel the sting of that because, well, you've, all you've done is lost something, right? It's like selling something for dirt cheap and then finding out that you could have gotten three times more for it, right? It, you feel cheapened. You feel lessened. Here's what the Lord, He's looking at him. He's looking down at these people. He said, you sold yourself for sin. You sold yourself for what you think is going to satisfy you. You sold yourself for what you think is good and will help you. And you've invested in some things. And that's what we do, isn't it? I mean, our whole lives we invest, don't we? We invest in the type of cars we like. We invest in, you know, in, in electronics and, and, and technology, the things we like. We invest in literally businesses. Our economy is built on that, putting what we have towards something that we think is going to benefit us. And here's what the Lord said. All their investing had brought them nothing. He said, you need to buy of me and come and eat. You need to buy things without money. Well, how are you going to do that? That don't make sense. We all know you don't get something for nothing, right? Romans chapter number 3, verse 24 says this. I told you Isaiah 52, verse 3 said, you shall be redeemed without money. Romans chapter 3, 24 said, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He was telling them this. Uh, in, in the idea of the redemption of the law, there was money involved. There was an exchange. There was, there was a, a cost, a price, and an exchange, and all those things, and they knew that. And here's what the Lord said. He said, there's a day coming when you're going to be redeemed. You're going to be saved. You're going to be rescued. You're going to be restored. It's going to happen without money. In fact, it's going to happen freely. How? Through Christ Jesus. There was one coming, that commander, that, that man, that, that, uh, that Lord of hosts, that, that coming Messiah, that one he talks about, that seed of David. And when he comes, he is going to set things up that we can be restored, which means we can be satisfied, filled. We can eat without money, without cost, without price. How is that? Those poor and needy souls, the cry for the thirsty, said, I'm looking for those who are thirsty in a dry land. I'm looking for those who are threadbare. They don't have anything to show. They don't have a way to buy what they need. Forgiveness. You know, you can't buy forgiveness. Forgiveness can only be given. It's a fact. You can't buy your redemption. We're redeemed and justified only freely. And freely only in Christ Jesus. Book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says this, because we say, well, how, how can we be justified freely? How can we be redeemed without money? 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
But wait a minute, isn't that contradictory? It says we were bought with a price. Yeah, we were redeemed without money. But it wasn't free for him. It's free for you. Justified freely by his grace. Okay? Here's what that means. You can be satisfied in God. You can have that drink of living water. You can have that fulfillment of God. And here's what it'll cost you. Nothing. How? You can be justified freely through His grace. His grace is, He is just going to give it to you. But the reason that He is able to give it to you freely is because He paid for it. Not only did He pay for it, He's the only one who could. You don't have any money to buy redemption. You've got no way to pay your way. you got nothing. You're thirsty, you're hungry, you're poor, and you're needy. But He had what it took to pay for it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. What was it he said back there in Isaiah 55? He said, Ye that are poor, ye that are broke, ye that hath no money. He said, Come ye, buy, and eat. Jesus takes that bread. He breaks it. He says, Take, eat. This is my body. He took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. How can this be? How can salvation, how can eternal life be so free in its giving? It's because it was so costly in its purchase. Here's the truth. I don't know how long I've been. Here's the truth. Every man on earth, every woman on earth, has a void in their heart, whether they know it or not. When we are born, we are born the seed of Adam, we are born in sin. Have you experienced this? Sometimes I think preachers get up and they start talking and they say things and we're like, yeah, 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 that's right. But have you experienced that? Have you, like Paul, experienced that, that which I would, I do not, and that which I would not, that I do? Have you experienced that? Have you experienced something in you that is just wicked? You ever looked at yourself after you said something and thought, why in the world did I say that? Knowing that you hurt someone, You ever thought about something that you have done, some sinful thing, and then afterward just, I mean, literally. You're a Christian. You're saved. And you do that wicked thing. And the moment it's done, you go, why'd I do that? God, I wish wish I'd just, God, I, I don't ever want to do that again. But then tomorrow, you'll slip up and say the wrong thing again. 
you'll slip up and do the wrong. Y'all ever done that? And like Paul, you go, oh wretched man that I am. That's what it means to be like that church of Laodicea who were blind and naked and poor. That's what it meant to be like these in Isaiah 55 that the Lord is speaking of who are thirsty, who are hungry, who have no money. That we are broken, born in the seed and the sin of Adam. And having been born in the sin and the seed of Adam, you're a child, you're innocent, you still do bad things, but you're innocent, you don't understand. My children don't understand what sin is, right? But then there comes a day when you do. You know what right and wrong is. We call it the age of accountability. It's that moment in your life where the Lord reveals to you that you are a sinner, where you become accountable for your own sins. And when that happens and you step out of innocence, a childlike innocence, into a state of understanding, then you become accountable to God for your sins. And if you die without salvation, then you'll pay the penalty for your sins, right? That's, that's, the, that's the way of life. And then you grow up. Many of us, not all, some here, many of us, some of us grew, grew up in church. Others got saved when they were older, whatever it may be. And you go through that part of life and you get older. The older you get, the same, it seems the harder simple things become. Is it just me? Like, you know, getting out of bed in the morning sometimes. You know, having 12 sicknesses in the span of three months or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Things get tough. Things get hard. And you just think, man, it's hard sometimes to just live life. People say things like this, adulting is hard. They make the word adult a verb. Adulting is hard. I'm 36, is that right? Good Lord. I'm 36 years old, and I still feel like I'm 17 in my mind. You know, I still want to be back in middle school playing with Pokemon cards. But instead, I've got three kids, and I'm a pastor of church, and I have a, a wife and responsibilities. and ugh. You know, adulting is hard. Now, the truth is, I love all those things. Until some days when I get up and I think, man, I have no business being anybody's dad. <laughs> Am I the only one who's ever thought that? You know why? Because at our core, we're broken. At our core, we're selfish, busted up. And you know, sometimes we just feel a certain way, we just think a certain way, we just look a certain way. Can I tell you that if it was not for God, if it was not for a God who, as an eight-year-old boy, when I was eight years old, he came to me and he showed me that I needed a Savior, and he revealed to me that there was a void in me. And as an eight-year-old boy, you know what I thought, man, I don't want to go to hell. That's it. That's literally all I cared about, escaping hell and getting into heaven. But what I didn't know is, down the road, one day I'd be a, a husband. I'd be a dad. I'd be a pastor. And I was going to need someone to make me what I ought to be. I was going to need someone when I was thirsty to give me a drink. I was going to need someone when I was hungry to give me something to eat. I was going to need someone when, when my flesh wanted to look out in the world and, and see other things and be dissatisfied. I was going to need someone who would satisfy me, who would fulfill me, who would make me what he wanted me to be and to give me a life that is living, quickened together with Christ. Isn't that what we just talked about the other day? 
I needed that. The truth is, I could never have found it on my own. Right now, our country and our world is overrun with young people passing from childhood to adulthood who do not have the Lord. And they're looking anywhere and everywhere for fulfillment. They're looking for fulfillment in their hobbies. Amen. They're looking for fulfillment in social media. They want to be scotched up and they, they need 5,000 followers to tell them that they're worth something to feel any value. Amen. They're looking at their, the, the same sex for partners and the opposite and whatever in between they create. I mean, they're looking anywhere and everywhere and it's all this to fill the hole. And they think, I'll fill the hole by changing my gender. I'll fill the hole by going after drugs and alcohol. I'll fill the hole by finding an online community that finally accepts me for who I am. I'll fill the hole by giving my flesh what it wants. I'll fill the hole by reading and watching and going and tasting and drinking and experiencing and traveling. And what they'll find out is, oh man, they're having some sense of euphoria and joy of some kind of happiness and, and pleasure, the Bible calls it, in the moment. And then when they get home and things get quiet, they'll find out the hole is still there. Because there is a void in the heart and the soul of every man and every woman that has ever lived. A void in the heart which these things do not and cannot fill. The next verse says, I'm not going to cover it. We're just going to read it to you. Wherefore, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? The things in this world will not satisfy. They won't. They cannot. And so Jesus, speaking through Isaiah, the Lord God giving him these words, speaking of how that he would come, he said this. He said, you that are thirsty, I've got something for you that if you drink of this living water, you will never thirst again. You that are hungry, you can't figure out a way to find satisfaction. You don't have the money to buy what you need. There is a simple solution to what you need, and you can't afford it. I got a deal for you. If you'll come to me, you can buy it without money. How do you do that? Is there an exchange? No. There's a gift. You ever show up on Christmas and someone gives you a gift and you go, I didn't get you anything. You feel that awkwardness, right? There's no awkwardness. He has given you this gift and he expects nothing in return for it. Now, when we receive the gift of God, we should then glorify God with our body and our hearts, right? Our minds, our spirit, everything. Because we love Him, it should cause us to want to please Him. But that's not required. It's a freely given gift. This morning, you know, I look around in here this morning, and most everyone here, I would assume, is saved. Right? But are you, <clears throat> are you satisfied? First point was the cry of the Lord, and I'm really I'm 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 not going to cover the second point, but it's the questions of the Lord. His questions are: What are you doing buying things that aren't bread, 
looking for satisfaction out in the world. Maybe I'll deal with that another time. But if you're here this morning, and whether you're young or old or whatever it may be, and you're living your life and you're thinking, man, I just have no joy, got no peace, got no satisfaction. You're looking outside your home, you're looking outside your marriage, looking outside your job, always looking for what's better. Here's my question. Why? Why aren't you satisfied? Do you have living water? Because you can have it. It's free. Do you have that bread where Jesus said, this is my body? Do you have that? Are you saved? Are you investing in things that will not satisfy? Or are you investing your life in Christ? Where do you fit in this passage? Are you the hungry and thirsty? In verse number one. Are you the poor and needy? In verse number one. Or are you those who now know Him? Are you that woman at the well before she met the Lord, or are you that woman at the well when she left and she went home and told everybody in her country, there was a man I met who told me everything I'd ever done? Which one are you? Because this morning, here's the truth. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. He's saying, if you'll just let me, I want to come in. I want to sup with you. I want to commune with you. I want to give you living water. Why would you ever continue to live thirsty when there's free water? Why would you ever continue to live hungry when fulfillment is right there waiting for you? Amen? Let's all stand. Miss, L Miss Linda in here. She was gonna, here she comes. There she is. Thank you, Miss Linda. She's going to come and just play something softly for a minute. Like I said, I'm... The truth is, I'd hope to get to those next points and have a, a little more of something to apply to the Christian. But the truth is, those, that first verse, it's all about salvation. It's about that living water. It's about that bread. And Jesus said, we can't live by bread alone, but every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And Jesus is the word of God. We need him. He fulfills us. So where are you today? Are you living satisfied? Or are you here, you say, Brother Paul, I, I'm saved, but I'm just never satisfied. Well, I think that's why Paul said, be content with such things as you have. Because we can't let the devil steal away our joy and satisfaction by making us focus on the things around us that we don't have. We need to focus on what we do have, which is more valuable than anything else in all of existence. But if you are here this morning... You say, Brother Paul, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Can I tell you, today needs to be the day. Let today be the day that you're thirsty for the last time. Let today be the day that you stop laying down your head at night thinking, if I die tonight, will I go to heaven? Let today be the day that you stop when you're going down the road, you think, if a car were to crash right now, if I were to be in this crash and I was to leave this world, would I wake up in heaven? Let today be the last day that you wonder and that you fear. Let today be the last day that you go without Christ. Come. He said that, didn't he? You that have no money, come. 
par tout. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.